Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome codependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Hi there, my name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Welcome everyone to Marketing Vanguard. I'm Jenny Rooney with Adweek, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by John Dillon. He's the president of Denny's. He's a good friend of mine. I've actually known John for a number of years, uh, especially when he was previously CMO of Denny's. So John, thanks for joining. Jenny, good to be here. Good to see you again. Always good to see you. And, um, you know, I know we've done a lot together over the years, just, you know, tracking your career. Uh, You and I have done work together at business schools. We've both spoken at Clemson. We have a lot in common around um, really sort of supporting and nurturing, you know, the next generation of rising marketing talent. But tell everybody listening just a little bit about you that they may not know. Oh, yeah. It's the old, what do they not know? It's two truths and a lie. We can have some fun with this, right? But um, (laughs) I'll go a little bit mainstream on you. what, What folks that don't know me uh, may not know, don't know me personally, may not know, is I am uh, the father of three girls. Uh, I am uh, therefore surrounded by girls, including all the animals in the house. Um, that has truly been a grounding in my life. And I bring that up now because I am now officially an empty nester with my youngest. I've just gone off to oh, college. Wow. So we are, uh, my wife, my beautiful wife and I are, um, it, it's actually been, um, gosh, about nine months. So my, my youngest has now just finished her freshman year, but it seems like only yesterday. And... Um, and it also seems like we have not enjoyed the fruits of the emptiness, you know, uh, labor yet because we're it, it, life has picked up. It hasn't actually slowed down for some reason. But uh, I, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder yeah. why. <laughs> that may lead to your next question, I guess. But um, <laughs> but uh, but no. So I'm a proud father of three girls and a beautiful wife and, and assorted animals in the house as well. I guess. Well, congratulations, and I mean that's. That's the fabric of, of our lives and our day jobs are the, just the things that kind of keep us keep us busy. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, um, yes, you you are busy. You've always been busy, um, but certainly I, I would imagine you you're even busier now. One of the reasons why I um, love having you on this podcast not, not just because you're you're um, a brilliant person and and such a smart marketer and you've done so much for this industry and you've been so involved, frankly with the broader CMO community. Um, 
is because at, on Marketing Vanguard, we like to interview, I like to feature people, certainly people who are in seat in CMO roles now. And, yep. um, you know, they represent the change makers. They represent through the decisions and actions, decisions they're making, actions they're taking. Um, they're driving change in the industry. But also I, I love to talk with um presidents, CEOs, people who have risen up through the ranks and have notably come through that CMO role. Uh, I think there's a a growing cohort of those individuals, and you're certainly one of them. So let's talk a little bit about that. You've been at Denny's for 15 years. um, And that is, as we all know, uh, looking at you know, storied tenure stats. Um, That's that's, that's (laughs) way beyond the average, right? Way beyond the average. Yep. Um, talk a little bit about that. You know, your staying power and uh, and that migration. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. In fact, when I got the invite to to join your your marketing vanguard podcast, I think I I reached back out and I said, "Are you sure that you still want me? Because I'm I'm technically not a marketer anymore." Um, but uh, but I love what you're doing, which is highlighting CMOs that have evolved careers beyond the CMO role. Because um, I do think, to your point, there's a number of us out there, and, and quite frankly, I think there will be and should be. A number more from here. Uh, my journey is one, um, you know, which I, I grew up in the, I, I actually have a, a bit of a varied background, believe it or not. I, I started, and I don't think Jenny, you and I have ever talked about this, but I started in my first job, I had a marketing degree out of, out of, out of school. Uh, my first job though, because I could not find my dream job in sports marketing coming out of school, my first job was with Fidelity Investments, actually trading mutual funds with the uh, with clients' uh, retirement accounts. So I had a headset around my head and, and uh, moved their money back and forth um, and, and really enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, and it gave me a nice grounding in finance, which I then parlayed into mm-hmm. um, a, a finance job. My first kind of restaurant market restaurant job was as a financial analyst for Pizza Hut. I, uh, I know you didn't ask exactly wow. what I my, my No, but I love that. Yet, but, but it did give me a really nice background and dealing with customers, right? So think about that fidelity job I just mentioned, trading mutual funds and high dollar mutual funds, right? People, people's retirement accounts. So it was, you know, moving back and forth. And so there was a lot of emotion um, back in, back in those days with those trades that I was making. In fact, for a while, they even put me on the dispute desk. So somebody had a, a trade that was made incorrectly for whatever reason. I was the one that got to listen to the, the tapes of the actual trade to figure out if it was a, it wasn't whose, whose error it was. And, and resolve some disputes. But but again, I say all that because it really got me involved in the psychology of, of the customer and then, and then the financial background, parlaying that into the Pizza Hut role. Then I worked my way through Pizza Hut and a number of uh, marketing jobs, marketing strategy, innovation, those kind of things, which and, and consumer insights, which gave my, my bulk of my career in the Pizza Hut days was about you know, several years in consumer insights, which gave me a grounding in what makes customers tick and how do we really connect dots between brands and customers? So um, I say all that because that had led to a good foundation through Denny's. And um, I, I, I love the, the brand we have here at Denny's and all that Denny's means to people emotionally. Um, and I won't talk, I'm sure, about that over the coming few minutes. Um, but really, it's, it's, I tell people all the time, if you have a role that you enjoy and you look forward to going to work in the morning, then that's something you probably don't want to screw up. You probably want to you probably want to keep that going. And with a brand like we have and the DNA that we have, it's it's led me to stay here. 
and really continue to grow with the brand. We've had a heck of a turnaround over a decade plus period, and we have a lot more to do, which makes it exciting. Um, but uh, thrilled, uh, thrilled to be here, and was tapped on the shoulder for the president role about, gosh, about seven, eight months ago, I guess. So that's definitely stretched new muscle with me, but it's all revolving around making sure that guest is taken care of in the restaurant, making sure we're, we're speaking to that guest in the way they want to be spoken to, and driving our sales and profits for our franchisees and our, our operators. So um, thrilled, yeah. thrilled for the role and, and uh, the evolution of the career here and what we can still do. Well, we'll unpack that a little yep. bit more in a minute, but you know, it's almost like you've gone full circle. I mean, yep. you, you, you sort of witnessed early in your career up close and personal, you know, just, just the mechanics of money for lack of a better way to describe it. And sort of, and then how close that is to, I mean, I mean, that is obviously goes without saying the crux of performance, but you were doing it in a way that gave you the ability to develop relationships with individuals and with people yep. and sort of understand where they were coming from. Um, yep. You know, Obviously, we talk so much today, you know, CMOs have so much, um, obviously so much on their shoulders, but clearly, and the way they are going to continue to, um, you know, manifest their impact and prove their value is obviously um, being able to be true growth drivers within their organizations. Um, but one of the things that I don't want to lose that I think you're a, a, a phenomenal example of is people who I've seen be most successful have had such um, a palpable passion for the brand, but more importantly, for the customers that they're serving. And that's always come through in the way you've talked about Denny's, the way you've talked about having it show up in the purpose and the meaning that it has for people in their lives and their day-to-day lives. Um, So I just want to call that out for people listening. You know, it's, um, it just feels like it's just a, a part of the fabric of who you are, so frankly, it doesn't surprise me that you have come, you know, you've come up to the president role. And now obviously you're, you're able to lead the business in, in new and more expansive ways. Um, let's talk a little bit about Denny's though, because, um, you know, t- share with people a little bit of the history about Denny's too, you know, the origin story. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, it's actually fascinating. Jenny. So we um, were, we're 70 years young this year. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, better believe we're going to have some fun with it, too. Um, but 70 years young, so started, obviously, in 1953. Um, and actually, you can win some, some bar bets with this story, um, but there is no Denny, just, just so, so you know. <laughs> um, people believe there is. There's actually no Denny. There was a, um, a our, our founder started uh, what he called Danny's Donuts in 1953. And, um, you know, I'm truncating the story, but... But essentially, there was another Danny's restaurant just right down the street in Lakewood, California, when it was started. And uh, I think the two the two got together and basically said, "Well, it'd probably do us both good if somebody changes their name." <laughs> so, uh, so our our founder uh, turned the A to an E, and suddenly Denny's was born. Oh um, boy! Oh so yeah. Was it always America's Diner? Yeah, it was. Well, no, it was not actually. So we started that. Gosh, in 2010 ish, 2009. Um, when really, and that's a great story too. See, I can I can wax poetic about about things, no question. But but we 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 actually um, back in the late two thousands, the brand was not doing that well from a traffic standpoint, and overall profitability standpoint. So we did some work. This is really kind of the ethnographic kind of consumer research. So you yeah, you do some of the traditional focus groups, but you also sit in consumers' homes and and really talk to them about what 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 they like about Denny's. And we actually went straight into homes of folks that did not go to Denny's and, or, or had and then had stopped. And so we really looked them in the eye. Literally, I remember sitting in these groups, looked them in the eye. Obviously, I wasn't the one asking the questions, but I was listening. 
That's why did you stop going and why basically why are you frustrated with the brand? And I tell you, Jenny, talk about running directly into, you know, feedback that you need to hear. You know, the old confront the brutal facts, Collins thing. It's like, hey, we heard some things that we had a hard time hearing. This is my first or second year on the job. But I tell you, we stared them in the face and we, we took that feedback head on. We said, we got to make some dramatic changes. And it really led to the, the genesis of America's Diner. Because what we heard, people were using the word diner back then to us. And before, we had kind of shied away from it because we didn't want to be that, you know, the 50s shiny chrome diner mm-hmm. that's in the past. But the way they were using the word diner and the emotional resonance of the word diner and what they meant by that, which is Denny's is a place you can go to and lay your title at the door and kind of bring people together and make those connections with friends or family, or sometimes even with the, the waitress or the, the cook, because there's, you know, open kitchens, all that stuff. We took right. the magic of that and said, there is an emotional positioning here. Yes, diner is a physical place, but it's also emotional. Um, and really, we set that up as our North Star. And the other thing with that is the fact that we're open 24 hours. So we're literally open all, all hours of the day to all different kinds of people, all different walks of life. And really kind of leaned into that even more so and made America's Diner our, our, our positioning. And then, yeah. And I love to talk. I mean, brand purpose is another one we, we uncovered you know, a few years later. But really that intersection between positioning and brand purpose has guided this brand for the last decade plus. Um, and, and, and talk about a marketer's dream, right? That's to have those, those two elements and have them be so authentic, uh, yet with so much more to do with them. Um, it's, it's, it's really incredible to have, you know, you tie together, uh, there's, um, you know, when I hear you tell the story of Denny's, I hear words like family, friends, community, comfort, even safety, a little bit of refuge, um, and inclusivity, right? I mean, it's just sort of a, um, you know, and hang your troubles at the door, come in and just sit down and have a great meal. Totally right. Totally right. And you, you nail it. It's almost like you have my playbook with those words that you just read, right? It's, there's, there, there's, there's truth and there's authenticity to that. And I would say the other thing, um, some folks that li- listen to this may remember in the early 90s, um, depending on how old you are, right? But in the early 90s, we had a class action lawsuit against the brand. It was well before my time, but it was a class action lawsuit, racial discrimination, essentially. So um, it was an episode that we are not proud of within the brand. Those that were here today are not proud of it. Nobody's proud of it. But we um, we overcame the stigma for that. Or still in the process, I would think, of still overcoming because of the work we've done to to invest back into communities. Of all so talk a little bit about that because I know that that's something that was a huge priority for you. Absolutely. Uh, when you were CMO. Yep. Yeah, no, it's just that. I think for several years, um, even after my arrival as a brand, we were a little bit afraid to address it head on and didn't want to address it head on. But we learned over the, over the years and, and, and um, that it, it, there's power in, in owning your past, right, wrong or indifferent. I'm clearly wrong in this case, but and just talking more openly about it. So we've done so much since 1993 when the, that episode happened. To again, like I say, invest back in communities, invest back in people of all ethnic backgrounds. That now it's really a pride point for the brand too, right? So we, so it's it's scholarships, it's it's um, all kinds of investments we make in many many different ways. Um, but we have poured back in the community, and with leaders in both the national level and the local level, uh, 
across the board, and it's something we have a pride point in right now. So that goes all the way to how we hire in our restaurants, um, but our, our diversity statistics, and it's not about statistics, but they kind of help us tell the story, are really, really a pride point for the brand. With that said, there's there's a lot more that we can and, and should and will do, right? So, but it's 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 something we openly talk about. Yeah. Yep. And I've heard you speak, speak about that. Um, it is a largely franchise brand. Yep. So talk a little bit about that because that means um, it just adds a layer of complication um, to your role, certainly, but also opportunity, I would imagine. Yeah. And it goes back to the, the psychology of the role, right? So I tell my team all the time, we have really two customers we're, we're, we're trying, to, trying to serve and we need to serve. We have the guests in the restaurant every single day, but we also have our franchisees. Um, and though we have about roughly, don't quote me on the exact number because it changes fairly often, but about 230 franchisees across our system. You know, so some have 90 plus restaurants, some have one restaurant, but we treat them all the same. And they all have good points of view. They all have history with the brand. This is their business. This is their, in many cases, life savings. Uh, so we very much are a leadership team that embraces the fact that we need to please the guests in the restaurants, but also please the franchisees. As a franchisor, we don't win if the franchisee doesn't win. So that has been a philosophy that we've had uh, for a long, long time and accentuated even more in recent years. Um, so, but there is, so we have, for example, we have committees with our franchisees, marketing committee, there's an operations committee, development committee, technology committee, supply chain, runs the gamut. And we really look to them for thoughts and advice and counsel and to run things by them. Because if we try to do something in the restaurants that our franchise community is not bought into or supportive of, it just is not executed. So we realize that. And oh, by the way, they have a ton of great ideas, too. So, you know, especially when we're in the market, everybody's a marketer. We all know that, right? So everybody's got it. <laughs> um, so as opposed to fighting that, and some franchisors I see fight that, we embrace it. And that's really, yeah. really I think, a lot of our success. So one of the things we like to explore in the podcast is just sort of, um, you know, a, a lot of times I've, I've spoken with with leaders who say, I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing about all the rosy stories and all the really the big wins, because I think, um, uh, yes, you can learn for those, but you can also learn from missteps, you know, or, or flat out failures, you know, and I think there's sort of um, a little bit of a hunger I've heard for to hear about, like, mistakes made, especially in marketing leadership roles and the lessons yeah. learned, because listen, everybody, we all know it is a, it is a challenging time. Things yep. are changing so dramatically. Talk a little bit about that. Like a time you either decided not to do something and it actually led to success or a time you've made a mistake. And what yeah. did you learn from it? I don't make mistakes, Jenny. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, um, no, I'm calling you. Trust me. Yeah, get my wife on the podcast. She's actually the um, no, but um, yeah, yeah, right. plenty of mistakes. <laughs> um, and the key is to learn from and then learn from them quickly and and, and, and fail fast, kind of thing. Which is, is there a single case study yeah, or something? Yeah, that yeah you I think there, there's, one, like, there's one that pops to mind um, yeah. quite a bit. So we we and I don't want to name the. The partner, but uh, we we had a promotion. Gosh, I don't even know. I lost track of time, but probably five six years ago or so, um, with a very um, well known partner. Um, and quite frankly, the sexiness of the partner for a brand like Denny's at the time, when we were kind of on our ascension upward, and we were just thrilled that this partner wanted to work with us and could work with us. And we did a deal. We got we got the promotion launched, and I kid you not. 
the first week of the promotion, and, and oh, 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 by the way, I mean, I led the charge here. So this is, um, this is one I can't say, well, it's somebody else's deal. This is one that, no, I, I had my fingerprints all over. And I kid you not, Jay, the first, the first week or so the promotion launched, our sales just tanked. Um, and we still don't know exactly why, but the fact is they did. Um, so we pivoted very, very quickly um, to make a move and worked. I mean, and this partner is still in, in, in good standing with us because they, they worked with us to kind of change the, the, uh, the length of, of the, the promotion because we had to make some changes pretty quickly. Um, but that is one, I mean, all the, all the, and the system was excited about it. The Insights Works said go do it. But I think, quite frankly, we got enamored with uh, the partner and we left some things on the table that, in hindsight, we had to have to make it work. And because of the partner, we had to, we just let those go. Um, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lesson to don't really get overly enamored with your partner and stay true to who you are because we had lost that as we put the final stages of the, the promotion together. Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome code-dependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Experience a CMS where you can build dynamic content without code. Native localization that lets you translate your site in one click to reach global audiences. And third-party apps and integrations so you can build faster. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Mm. How are you, you know, when you think about now, um, the fact that you're in a president role, what are the things that you took from your experience as CMO um, and, and still employ every day? And, and how would you characterize the value that you think you bring in the president role to this organization, having been a CMO and having um, walked in that role previously? Yeah, I think it goes back to that focus on the guest, right? So focused mm -hmm. on the guest and really what the guest is asking for. So again, that's where my, my insights background back from my earlier days does come in handy here as well. Um, and, and importantly, link back to an answer I gave you earlier, when I say focus on the guest, I don't just mean the guest in the restaurant. I mean, the guest is our franchisee. That's our customer too. So yeah. really kind of tracking qualitative and quantitative sentiment around what's actually working and what's not working. And again, don't get enamored with your own ideas. So now I do get to uh, ask questions to my new CMO, who's phenomenal, by the way. Uh, I've worked with her in the past and brought her on here recently, Sherry Landry. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, those are the conversations we have. Is let's just make sure, and she's right there with me, making sure that what we do pleases the guests, but also pleases the franchisees, and it can be executed in the restaurant. So it's just that laser focus, in our case, on, on our two customers, the guest and the franchisee. Mm. Has it been hard to relinquish control over the over the over the CMO responsibilities? I mean, listen, it's... you might have to ask Sherry that question, but <laughs> but no, I mean, I think honestly, it's been easier than I expected, only because I have such immense confidence in her, having to work with her for a number of years in prior life in the in the Yum system. Yeah. So I know her style. I know you know how she leads. I know how she thinks, and um, and 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 she's she's come again, you know. She's come very, very strong um, in her first, you know, she's been here, I think, four or five months at this point, but always already has a respect and already 
is doing great things for us. So in many ways, that's made it easier than I anticipated to let go. Sure, I'll, I'll give her some opinions on creative and all opinions on, <laughs> on, you know, on some you can't help yourself. I can't, no, no, exactly right. <laughs> and then it goes back to everybody's a marketer. I think if, even if it wasn't CMO, I'd be doing the same thing. But but I do, I, I'm very cognizant to make sure to give her her space and, and put, um, put her stamp on where we need it. Because quite frankly, Jenny, this is, it was time for us to get, the, the beauty of, I mean, I loved having the role of CMO and then Chief Brand Officer here for a number of years, but there's always a, a benefit to fresh perspective, and she definitely brings that. Mm. That's a great point. Um, just generally, and then I want to come back to you real quick, but um, as I mentioned earlier, um, there is a growing cohort of um, presidents and CEOs who have come up through the CMO role. In fact, I've been tracking it for a couple of years now, and I think I'm up to at least 30 individuals who are now in that, you know, president or CEO role who, who have been um, uh, CMOs and, and highly successful CMOs. To what do you attribute that um, progression? And listen, there are different camps of thought around that, I know. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on who you speak with, they, they'll say they're not enough. And then <laughs> a lot of people say, um, there's a lot. I mean, I like watching it because yeah. I do think it's an up, up, up pointing arrow. Um, but do you have thoughts around that, um, dynamic and, and trend or lack thereof? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I mean, look, I think, I think overall it, it depends on the organization. It depends on the time I would say within the organization on if it should be a marketing leader or an operations leader or a finance leader. Um, you know, I think, um, quite frankly, where we are, we have a CEO who I report to, Kelly Belay, and she's phenomenal, right? So we, we balance each other very well. She comes from, she's got definitely marketing skills as well, but it comes from an operations and HR background. Mm-hmm. So for me, and she was the one to name me president. So I think we balance each other off very nicely. Um, and But I do think, you know, it depends on the marketer as well, right? So part of what got me ready for this job is is, is spending the last couple of years really learning more about operations and, and finance. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a, you know, hey, let's put a marketer in the role because I would say a marketer in the role not prepared to be a president or a CEO, they will fail if they haven't proven or really invested in the ability to learn, in our case, learn operations in particular, learn the P&L, learn some of the key things that they're going to have to be faced with uh, when they assume the role. Does that make sense? So it's not just a, uh, let's plug and play. We need, we need huge, let's, huge let's point. marketer here. Um, quite frankly, that's going to fail, but that marketer has to have the wherewithal. That, and, but I would say the training, the exposure beyond the marketing realm to be successful in their next step. So whether that looks like some, some companies like mine didn't invest in that development, um, or if you're a marketer trying to be a president or CEO, then go invest in your own development, right? Because that's what's going to crack the code like it did for me once you demonstrate that not only interest, but that ability to take that role and demonstrate how you would be successful at that role. So there you go. That's my pull quote from my LinkedIn post when I go share this broadly, because that I want everybody listening to like to to focus on what you just said there. I think that's so incredibly key. Um, now, I'll, I'll caveat this by saying there's plenty of CMOs, we know them, yep. who don't aspire. Frankly, they don't aspire to president or CEO role. Yep. Um, that, that's a, that's a, another level or, or layer or mantle or responsibility. Um, and they love the CMO role, right? right. To, and, that, and it's not to put value judgment mm-hmm. against one or the other. And I want to I make that clear. Um, because some people's paths, you know, 
they aspire to be CMO, they love that role, they want to stay in that role, and maybe they want to change companies and go to different companies, different types of companies, B2B, B2C. Um, but then there's another, you know, group of folks who do aspire, right? So, you know, thoughts about that and just in your experience, because you you are so ingrained in the community. And and um, I mean, I guess it just goes, suffice to say it takes all kinds and people yeah. have, have different aspirations. But Yeah, I would say so. I, I'd say don't, you know, don't be afraid to be that CMO who's just happy to be CMO at the end yeah. of the day, right? There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's so many benefits of being a CMO or even of being a vice president of marketing, right? So I've known people that, that are in marketing, tried and true marketers and don't even want to be the CMO. Right, yep. just because the and, and I think there's some some validity to that too, because a lot of the, the sexy parts of the job are at that vice president level, right? And then you get to the CMO, CBO, or president level, there's a lot more that you have to deal with, and 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 you gotta yes. want to, right? So, um, so and I say all the time, jobs still have to be fun. So if I'm not having fun on a job, I'm not gonna be here, right? So and that's part of what kept me at Denny's for so long. Like I think I said that earlier. I'm waking up every morning, looking forward to going to work. And you got to do whatever your compass says is you, right? And so for some, it's I'm a tried and true marketer. That's all I ever want to do. And I embrace the heck out of that group. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, you're a player in a soccer team, John. And I'm going to use this analogy just because I um, selfishly, I played soccer and I love that game. Yeah. But you can insert whatever game you prefer. But um, are you on that field? Are you the striker? Do you play at midfield or are you at back at defense defending Ooh, the I goal? I love that question. You're in the center on, or on either side? Gosh. Am I like on a national team or a pro team? I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, this could go so many different ways. I I think my, my guess is the majority of the time you get kind of a midfielder kind of answer when you ask that question. You do. Um, and that's probably the answer I'm going to give you too to some degree. I would say I, I played, even over the last few years, I can look almost on a daily basis. And there's some days I'm a defender and some days – I'm a striker. Some days I'm a midfielder or forward. Um, I would, but you know, I think right now in this stage of my career, I'm a more of a player coach, right? So I'm yeah. uh, I'm, I'm coaching my team um, in many many ways, and I've I've, I've grown to love that role. Um, but there's times I think I, I get off the bench and go in there and, and kick the ball around a little bit uh, too. Um, and then sometimes I'm, you know, I'm the I'm the coach after the game. I'm calling the players and saying, "Here's what you did well. Here's here's where we can we can do better next time. Let's try this play next time." But that's that's the that's the value of the stage of career I'm at to be able to to do that. But uh, but I can't I can't lie. I, I'd like to get in there and mix it up a little bit sometimes too. <laughs> we'll be right back with more marketing vanguard after this quick break. All right, so John, let's go back to talking about your team. You know, I asked you a minute ago about what role you play on the field, and you said at the end of the day, really, you um, you most associate with the coach. Um, talk about the team, though. Um, talk about the importance of diversity in your team, and you know, is that something you've been focused on, and if so, how? Yeah, definitely focus there. And I would say largely it's come naturally, right? So um, we do have a focus on DEI as an organization, as many rightfully do at this point. But to me, I mean, diversity and, and to us, I should say diversity is really indispensable. So, um, you know, early, and I, when I say diversity, I do mean all kinds of diversity, right? So diversity yeah. in backgrounds and, and yes, skin color, but also diversity of thoughts and and what you bring to the table. So I think early in my career, Jenny, I was one of these that I, 
I did want to be with and hire people that thought like me, um, just from a validation standpoint, maybe more than anything. But but I would say now it's more and more the opposite. So I, I want for us to be able to to continue to have success and really take it to the next level here at Denny's, but also I think it applies anywhere. Is you gotta really want people and need people who push your thinking in a different way. And, and now that's what we're doing. I mean, so I have a leadership team here, my Denny's leadership teams that covers marketing operations, HR training, finance, communications. Um, we, I have five direct reports on my team. They are 80% female, um, 60% people of color. Um, and I would say all think differently um, on purpose. And 100% of them are smarter than I am. <laughs> but, um, but they really, really, we have great discussions, great pushes of each other, ultimate respect. But that's really what brings us uh, together and, and will and can and has driven our success, really. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. One of the things that, you know, when I... Marketing Vanguard is meant to show to isolate and showcase the decisions, right? Because ultimately, being a leader at the end of the day, it's all about decision making. You know, you're you're you approach forks in the road every single minute of every day, right? And um, but those decisions, if you're in an environment where you are, um, you know, you've got other decision makers, quite frankly, right. on your teams that are going to take you out of your comfort zone. Um, yeah and challenge you, you may arrive at decisions that you didn't actually originally intend to to arrive at. How, how do you sit with that discomfort sometimes, right? In, in decisions that maybe not, weren't always originally what you had in mind. No. And that's why, that's kind of what I I mean by I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I, by the way, I truly mean that. Um, And by earlier in my career, I think I did surround myself with those that I knew were going to think more like me. And now it's we've come to better decisions with more diversity and thought and really just unique perspectives. I mean, even like I mentioned before, Sherry brings a, a similar background to me, but also a fresh perspective based on you know where she's been and what she's experienced since I since I worked with her years and years ago. I just brought in a new C, chief operating officer, Alex Williams. Same same thing. He's he's come from a different background, but phenomenal leader and just real high energy and looks at things from a different perspective coming from doesn't come directly from the family dining category within the restaurant industry. He's got other experience, including out of the restaurant industry that really shapes his thinking. And it's really deliberately, we did that deliberately bringing people of different thoughts and backgrounds together. I mean, look, we're, we touched on the very beginning where our brand is America's diner, right? So America's diner by nature is very diverse because America is very diverse. So we, we say now we're America's diner for today's America and all the diversity that's in America today. So honestly, shame on us if our if our leadership team from the board of directors on down, um, which it does, it highly reflects the, the diversity of, of the country today. So that's really our philosophy as a brand and, and, and therefore, you know, it's helped shape mine as a leader. And I think um, it's something that I, I really hold in high regard. Who are your best collaborators? You know, who are the folks within uh, your company that you work most closely with to be successful? Um, I'd say, obviously, the obvious answer and a true answer is, is my, my team. But I would also say franchisees, who I've mentioned a few times already. Great ideas, great feedback, good, bad, or ugly comes from franchisees. So we, I lean into that versus run away from it. 
Uh, but also, I would say two other, uh, it's the guests in our restaurant. So I, I really enjoy going into one of our Denny's restaurants, no matter what time of day, early morning or three o'clock in the morning. And yes, it does happen. I um, mean, just talking to guests and seeing what's what they're there for, or what they're enjoying about the visit, what they're not. You get a ton of great feedback there. And also the front lines of our, our team member base, the ones that are dealing directly with the guests in the restaurant. So our, our cooks, our servers, and our, our managers. So we have several committees throughout the company that are focused on making sure our, our their voice actually come, gets to us and vice versa. So we can understand you know, a, a promotion or a product or a menu we implement. We got to know how it's working. We got to know what they think about it uh, before we even do it. So there's been several things that we've either doubled down on or walked away from because of feedback from the front lines in our restaurants. And, and that's something as president, I'd look to even just continue that even more, even amplify that more. Yep. Things you fear most. So, you know, listen, it's, it's a challenging time in many, many ways, but just like what are the things, obviously this is a perennial question so many leaders get, but what keeps you up at night and how do you overcome it? Um, you know, it's the, more of the immediate answer is the day-to-day traffic and sales, right? So we, we are, you know, we are a victim of the daily, the daily grind and looking at our sales performance and our traffic and profit performance on a, on a daily basis as we should. Um, but I would say just kind of on a higher level, it's, 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 again, maybe this is a stage of career I'm at, but it's, it's not living for a higher purpose. It scares me. Um, it may sound a little deep and I don't necessarily mean to get religious on that, but Take it for, <laughs> take it that way if you want. But really, it's it's a, what I, I'd say brand purpose in our case, right? So one of the things I'm, that's, I touched on, I think, briefly earlier, but one of the things that's really mobilized this brand is when we did find our brand purpose, and um, it's it's loving to feed people. So our America's Diner as a positioning, where we love to feed people as a brand purpose, and we actually found that direct from the mouths of our, so we were actually about to start, you may have heard me t- tell this story, but I love telling it. It's like we were about to start a big research project developing our brand purpose because that was the marketing buzzword of the, of the decade, right? Is purpose, purpose, purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the time, this is probably eight, nine years ago, at the time we didn't have one. So we were about to commission a big old research study to figure out what the purpose was. And we ran across, right as we were about to launch the research study, we ran across a newspaper article from our founder. He was interviewed in the, in the mid-50s on why he started Denny's. And right there in black and white, he said, because I love to feed people. Mm. So we canceled that research project pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Save some money we in the process. Money, we found the purpose. And since then, we've, so we launched it with our franchise community, very well received. It took it a couple of years to probably you know, take hold fully, and then we evolved it to we love to feed people bodies, minds, and souls because it can be taken very literally as, yes, we're a restaurant. Of course, we love to feed people. But what we really mean by that, which ties back to our positioning of America's diners, we love to feed people's souls. And just that emotional piece of it um, yeah. has really been palpable for us and, and mobilize the organization behind what, why we do it. So, so the fact that we have that now, I live in fear of losing that. And if anything, we want to go the other direction and really accentuating that even more and and no matter what I end up doing, where I end up going with the rest of my life, that's something that that, that will better believe will will it, it fits personally and professional life just to make sure you have a purpose. Listen, everything else is commodity. Otherwise, I mean, you have to, you know. And I think what you're what you're hitting upon is just, I mean, that's where that is the magic of marketing. I mean, and I don't, I mean that in the best possible way. Absolutely. And if and somebody in an organization's gotta gotta own that and frame that and believe in that and and sort of, yeah. you know 
and, and encourage everybody else to, to yeah to and Jane, that, that's that. been the beautiful part is it's it started as a marketing initiative but it quickly became an entire organization initiative is really embracing that purpose and what it means yeah yep and that is how this is that's how businesses are going to succeed i mean it just is just f- so fundamental and cannot be overlooked um especially at a time of obviously you know listen economic societal polar oh, you know, polarization um it, you know it's it's sort of you have to find that need and fit that need and and um deliver on that as best you possibly can um and honestly you could say that you could describe that that thinking and that rationale to 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 virtually any brand, it wouldn't be the same as what you, what Denny's is doing, right. of course, because that's unique to Denny's. But just finding that space exactly. in the noise, exactly. you know. Exactly. So, um, inspiration. You know, it's funny. I talked to a lot of marketing leaders, and and I I was struck once um, asking um, a, a, a chief marketing officer this question. You know, what do you need most? And she responded, "I need inspiration." Yeah. You know, yeah. and. It just struck me as such an interesting response because there's so many tactics. There's so much like data. We always talk about data and tactics. And yep. But she said inspiration. Where do you find inspiration? And, and do you agree with that, um, the importance of that yeah. to find your work? Yeah, um, I do, actually. We, um, gosh, we... I find inspiration really well. I was joking with somebody the other day. Is like my I find think time when I'm on an airplane and can just really think and and um, just get away from it all, which is quite a bit, unfortunately. But um, inspiration, I think, to me, I've learned more and more, especially in my my the evolution of my role, the president role. I get so much inspiration by going in a restaurant and just sitting. When I want to learn things, and I would say occasionally, I won't tell you who, but I go I don't go to competitors and do the same thing, right? But <laughs> but, um, but really just going and observing. So I literally find a back corner booth and I'll sit and watch. And yeah, I'll have my laptop with me. I'll, I'll be getting some work done. But really just the value of sitting there and watching the interactions of our guests and our servers, for example. And even looking, you know, peering into the kitchen um, and, and observing what our cooks go through. And, and quite frankly, one of the things I've learned is we have a, uh, even more than I thought from a marketer's perspective. Our, our menu is very complicated, right? So we've got to work with our with our operations team, which which now I oversee, to continue to simplify that menu for the operator and the franchisees. Mm-hmm. We can give a more consistent experience to our guests. And therefore it helps with retention of cooks and retention of servers. And there's so many more more rounded perspectives I have in this role that I kind of knew before, but now I really know. But I think part of that's just listening in a di- with a different lens on, but part of that's is being more intentional about observation and getting inspiration that way. So, so yes, that applies to me and Denny's, but I would say any leader, no matter where you are, no matter what your product is, find a way to observe that product at a real-time level. So you can't just sit in your office, and again, it sounds trite, it sounds obvious, but too often we get just stuck, stuck in meetings. You know, so more and more I'm having some of my one-on-ones with my team in restaurants, and, and things like that do matter. They do matter. I want to... So a little, just a little bit deeper on something you you were just referring to a minute ago. Knowing what you know now, what would you go back? You know, given your vantage point now of ownership over so many other different um, you know functions, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, that's probably not the best term within the organization and how they intersect. You know, what have you learned about the the role of marketing in an organization, and and um, 
what needs to happen for it to be respected and supported in a given company and for CMOs to be respected as growth drivers, yeah. knowing what you know now as president? Yeah, I think it's that, that um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? But that, that empathy um, for really, from an organization standpoint, the other departments, the other functions, and really having true understanding, not just in words, but also in experiences on in our case, again, what that cook is going through, what that operator, that franchisee is going through. Um, and making, yes, marketers generally, they're responsible for telling that story, driving that traffic, getting, their, getting the, in our case, butts and seats or butts and booths, right? But from an operations perspective, I have so much um, appreciation for that cook in that restaurant. For us at three o'clock in the morning, it's got to pull that order and, 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 and serve it perfectly to that guest to get that guest coming back. But as marketers, if we don't simplify our message or our, in our case, our menu to the level that it needs to be simplified to deliver on your brand, but also deliver on the experience to the guest through operations, then, then, then we're not ultimately successful. So you gotta, you gotta look at it through a full 360 lens, not just from a marketer's lens. And you put, a, I mean, listen, I think you put onus on the CMOs themselves to go find opportunities for ga for gaining new knowledge, yep. right? And for gaining that vantage point, because it may not readily be there. Exactly. So it does feel like there's a need for people to go seek it. Go seek it. And it ties back to when I started with the ethnographic research we did. So again, not just in a focus, but literally going to people's homes and talking to them about Denny's and what they're experiencing. Just looking in somebody's eye directly and hearing them say something is different than reading a report or, or shooting out of, off an email or what have you. And same with our with an operator. As a marketer, your your equivalent, your your peers. So in our case it's our operator in the restaurant. So like it's gotta be a win win for everybody to, to succeed. So Vanguard, you know, we've covered so much around the ideas and decisions you've made um, individually to drive the business and brand forward. Um, and I started by saying, you know, you and I have done things um, to support, you know, you and I have had intersection, frankly, yep. and, and sort of a meeting of the minds around supporting next generation talent and, and um, speaking on university campuses, but there could be other things as well. My question to you is around, you know, if the literal definition of Vanguard means a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas, what's an example of a development or idea that you've had that's led the way? I'm going to say for the industry, you know, because mm. uh, we've talked a lot about what you've done for the company, but I know you've been so impactful in so many ways outside of your company and in this industry at large. Um, so what would you like to talk about that you particularly have pride around? Wow, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think there's a number of things. It's, it's you know, I'm on the board from uh, AIM, so Association of Inclusive Multicultural Marketing. Very proud of that work. Proud of the work that we've done, Jenny, about giving back to um, to, to college kids and, and really just helping share the industry in general of marketing and, and different brands as well. Um, I mean, really, it's, it's, it's what I love is this purpose work as well. Um, so there's a number of different ways, but just, um, you know, one of the things that, that we're proud of, too, and I think it kind of gets to your question, but a little bit different, is, is um, giving back to communities. So one thing we, we launched is our, our mobile relief diner um, with Denny. So it's, it's literally, um, and our former, former agency, a creative director, and I were texting one night after a hurricane, Hurricane uh, Hugo, no, no, it wasn't Hugo, it was another Harvey, I think. Um, I think it was 2017, 2018, 
and we say, hey, we got how can how can we as a brand help? And um, and we say, hey, let's get a truck down there and serve them some pancakes and coffee. I mean, they're the folks in that community are hurting right now, so they need some. They need a they need a nice warm hug and a hot cup of coffee. So we created this 53 foot, you know, um, kitchen on wheels or diner on wheels that that has evolved into our mobile relief diner. So we go back and we we serve communities in times of need after they've been hit by a hurricane or a tornado or or things like that. And uh, it's a sad time for those communities, but for us as a brand, I would say any marketer, I challenge you to do something similar is how can you give back to a community in time of need? Yeah, 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 our logo's on the truck, but that's not really why we do it. It's just truly to give back with the, the, the resources that we do have. And I bring that up because that's really mobilized organization. It's really, um, a pride point that we have, but I've seen other brands do something very similar. Not necessarily they got the idea from us, but um, I think ideas like that as marketers or leaders of organizations can can mushroom and can can pay it forward to other brands. And just as leaders of companies, again, whether you're a marketer or a CEO or president or anything in between, you have the ability to give back to society and not just drive your sales and profits. That will come. But really mobilizing the communities to do more, to give back to communities, I think is something I'm, I'm proud of as well. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting because what you're touching on is this concept of influence. And, mm. you know, um, I have, so I kind of have a two-part question. One is, can you just articulate, because I think we, in general, in this industry, we know it, we feel it, we talk about it, but can you just articulate the unique influence that marketers have in our culture and society Wow. And then the second, the second part of that question is, well, I'll, I'll hold that second. Wow, part you of got the that first one, the that. deep one, but, but no, I mean, I think yeah. it goes back to marketers. Uh, we have more, um, or more ability to influence than we think. Um, so, and I, I think the same. I say we, because I think it's the same for presidents and CEOs as well. But, but really, a job of a good marketer is being a good storyteller. And connecting dots and and that is yes like you keep saying it, it's your job is to drive your traffic and sales and profits but your job I dare say as a leader in any organization is to give back to society that's just the world we're in right now and it's a world I think many 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 are embracing but I challenge more to embrace that's truly truly the magic of being a leader in any company in any function um, in today's society and quite frankly it's needed so mm-hmm. it's it's embracing that that ability and that 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 power for lack of a better word, um, yeah. So that's how it to best to, to to best effect and it's yeah. and I love how you you did you did an exquisite job in articulating that. But it's interesting because I and you you understand this because you've done it too. I have spent a lot of time on college yeah. and, and and business school campuses, and you talk to students and in no disrespect to to the teachers and professors that are doing such a great job of teaching the craft and the yes. practice of marketing in those classrooms. But it's that aspect of, of truly the impact and the influence that marketers can have in our culture and society that I don't think is yet woven into the curricula. That's a great point. And that yeah. I don't think students are hearing that or, or are internalizing that or really understand that. And so like I I wish so much that that narrative could get to yeah. 
students and the next generation because I think it would it would really compel them to want to work in marketing and be ultimately be marketing leaders. That's a phenomenal point. I hadn't thought about it just like that, but really, yeah, most I think most students you you faced it too, or you see it too, is most students still, they, they either think of marketing one or two ways. Marketing is all just the sexy advertising. Still, you still got some of that out there. Then you got the other side of the brain. That's the marketing is all about data, data, data. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the answer truly is somewhere in the middle. But when I, when I speak to any group, whether it's a college or a trade industries, you know, conference or, or anything in between marketers conference, it is where I get the most interaction and most reaction from the audience is when I tell that story I just told about the mobile relief diner, mm. right? Or I tell the, the story of uh, Denny's and what we've done with diversity and giving back to communities and scholarships and all those things. And there's a reason people react like they do because that's what they that's what they're interested in. So we just gotta, you know, there's marketers. Yes, we do the advertising. Yes, you know, there's a lot of data-driven marketing. Again, the same is true for marketer or CEO or, or whatever. But really, the it's it's the ability to give back and make a difference in society. That's not just not just words. It's it's real. Um, and that's when you know, like you've seen it, light bulbs go off on a college campus or what have you. That's when people say, "Oh, that is a that's an industry that's interesting to me that I can be a part of because I have the ability to affect change." So well said. Last quick question, uh, because we're talking about pay, the concept of give back and pay it forward with the Marketing Vanguard podcast. My, my last question, everybody, is always who's next? You know, who would be the next industry leader that you would recommend I interview for this uh, for this podcast? I would have to say Sherry Landry, who's my new CMO. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> would love to. Would love to. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy her. And um, yeah, she's again. She's she's a she's already been a phenomenal leader in her previous roles, but uh, the stuff she's doing at Denny's and will do at Denny's is 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 phenomenal. So you really enjoy getting to know her. Fantastic. We'll invite her on for an upcoming show. Um, in the meantime, John, I uh, can't thank you enough. Always such a, such a pleasure speaking with you, and um, you know, hearing your perspective on all of this. So likewise, I look forward enjoy it to every time we time. talk, Jenny. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. And everybody, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.